0: Pigeon lands on a pile of snow. Am I here just to notice how high contrast? When I recycle, where does it go? Am I supposed to believe waste is a problem of the past? Hop on a plane because a train is too slow. Is the impact worth just getting there fast? I call that poem, can you rephrase that question? Oh. Thank you.
1: I like that you came up with a title for it.
0: Of course.
1: Should that be the title of the episode also?
0: I don't think so. Yeah, it's
1: very vague. Essentially,
0: Why? the title is because the poem is the three questions we asked for this week rephrased in a poetic manner. So the three topics we're going to be talking about on this week's episode of the Nature Series are ecotourism, waste management and recycling, and of course, what is the meaning of life?
1: Yeah, I like that question because it, it really in line with the, the <laughs> usual things that we discuss on Soocene. We have like... Designing the Soacene Cinema. Mm-hmm. What would be some wonders of the world? What's the purpose of our species?
0: Yes. it yes. just
1: It's natural for us to discuss. Of course. Um, we are experts mm. on the subject.
0: Philosophically and, dare I say, theologically. We're both <laughs> quite enlightened when it comes to the meaning of humans. Yeah. So, what is the purpose of, let's say, the human race?
1: <laughs> well, maybe let's kind of contextualize the question and say, why are we asking and answering it in Mm. the nature semester?
0: That's a good question. It stems from conversations about stewardship. What is the human's role in nature? Like, are we helpful? Are we a hindrance? And I believe that's where it comes from. Yeah. And also, I feel like looking to nature is a good way to answer this question. You can't really talk about what's our purpose in isolation from our existence in this broader biosphere.
1: Well said. Um, So we are like kind of a hindrance, right? Mm-hmm. As in nature works very well without human involvement. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I've never actually considered this question before. Like I've never, I've genuinely never pondered mm. the reason for existence, either like individual in like an existential crisis, like what's this all for? Or on a species level, um, mm-hmm. as we're talking about today, but really it underpins pretty much every conversation of economics, politics, the type of things that we do usually touch on in solar scene um a kind of this is this is fundamental to them mm-hmm. like what what are those things other than just extensions of your answer to this question basically it's like you want to restructure economics a certain way because you think that humans should do this mm-hmm. the kind the question is basically like so what should we do you know like, what should we do
0: yeah exactly and there's definitely a difference between the human race as a whole versus the individual. I feel like. Do you think people in their life come to what's my purpose? Yes. And that can be a lot more specific than what's humankind's purpose. But
1: don't you think it, it can be kind of extrapolated?
0: Yeah. I like, let's say
1: someone comes to their purpose, and it's like, I want to win the World Cup. Very topical mm. today, World Cup final. Um, a lovely, lovely game. Um, <laughs> but let's say that's someone's goal. It's like they don't. It, that doesn't mean that everybody. They think everybody's. Every human's goal should be sport-related or Mm -hmm. soccer-related. That just means that their goal is about achieving
0: achieving something something higher,
1: higher, and so they think that should be everybody's goal. Everybody Mm -hmm. should set a goal and and strive for that.
0: Yeah, which is like
1: that sounds so broad, but really, there's a lot of um, theses about how to live that are outside of that. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, I'd say the most common one is. Something to do with love, divine, and interpersonal. Something to do with that, yeah. Yes. So I feel like the foundation of most theories on like why humans exist is to to love and be loved, I suppose. And when we look at nature, it has to do with the fact that no other species are really like capable of love on the level that humans are. That's kind of what distinguished us from them. Therefore, it's often seen as our purpose. So it's like, why are we endowed with this capacity to do something that most other species aren't? And love isn't just interpersonal, but it's like love for and passion. So it's like, you could even take love and mean I want to win the World Cup. It's like you have passion and you have these fifth dimensional capabilities that other creatures don't have. And I feel like, If you just looked at humans in isolation from nature, that wouldn't seem so wonderful because we all have it.
1: So, is that your answer?
0: I say, yeah. So, I'm going to go with
1: some vague thing about love and.
0: (laughs) To care and be cared for is our purpose. Do you think? Mm -hmm. I believe.
1: You believe? I like that word. That's nice. Um, What do you think is the kind of collective answer to this question right now of our generation? Mm. Because I think it's rather a hedonistic one.
0: I think it's a bit hedonistic. Yeah, it's to leave an impact. I would say to leave the world better than you found
1: it. I don't even. I think it's more like to have fun.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: To enjoy yourself. I can see that. Like I think we're very into the pleasures of the world.
0: Yeah, but I feel like it's very externally motivated, as you're saying. So I feel like, yeah, it's not as I learned what cynicism is. I always thought it was like pessimism, but it's it's not just that. It's just self motivated. Like, I want to do this for me kind of thing. But not in a hedonistic way of, like, I want to do this because it feels good. It's just, like, I want to do this because what I've gathered from all of the inputs in my life is that this is the right thing to do. And you don't want to have fame. You don't want to have renown. Whereas the hedonistic view is a bit more about, yeah, like, having status and having joy and things. It's a very materialistic view of why we exist.
1: You think that's the the predominant? you right now,
0: yeah. To perhaps accumulate enough wealth or experiences to either pass on to yeah. future generations or to just feel fulfilled. Like, yeah, I am obsessed with travel, so I'm gonna tra- I'm gonna travel and travel and travel until I feel like I have kind of accomplished something and overcome perhaps where I was born. <laughs>
1: it's a little bit distracting. Hopefully you can, or maybe hopefully you can't hear the uh celebratory stink chariot horns outside yeah. after the World Cup win, but celebratory or just angry I, they all sound <laughs> the same that's the funny thing about car horns yeah um but yeah with regards to this question i also think it's pertinent to the solar scene because having some kind of a collective answer or at least a consensus it doesn't have to be exactly the same but like pulling in the same general dis, uh, direction i think is mm. is important to kind of align the species-wide the collective human efforts and imaginations and hopes mm. in a somewhat similar or at least not opposite direction that's why it's important for the solar scene so having like a a noble a noble answer to this question even if it's just like very very broad like Mm -hmm. like what you just said about love and being it's like that's that's just kind of an answer but it's like having some answer like that is what i'm saying yeah
0: whereas right now i feel like it's either progress or love which i feel like in my opinion are very they're very different So if we're pulling in those two directions, then it's going to end up with a very divided society.
1: So I was pondering this question for like a week. Um, And then two days ago, we had our first snowfall, really, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in Montreal. I mean, we've had some snow over the previous weeks, but this was the first time it was like, everything's white. And it was a pleasant snowfall. I -hmm. don't know how, how to explain it logically, but it's like some snowfalls you can tell people are upset about. And some Mm. people are happy about. And I think it's largely to do with, is it the hundredth of the season or is it the first? If it's the first, people are generally happier because the kids, it's like, it's their first snow day. And it's like, it's not an annoyance yet. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I was walking around in the park and it was just full of children and their families all making snowmen. There were literally like 50 (laughs) or 60 that I could see. It was crazy. Yeah. And I was thinking about snowmen and I was like, this, and everyone was having, like, it it was a joyous time. And I was like, these are in some way connected to this question. I think mm. snowmen. Cause I was like, why do we make these? Why is this? We yeah. don't really, you, you never really question it. It's like, well, that's what you do with snow. You make men out of it. Yeah. And I think that's really funny and how it's, it's almost instinctive to children mm-hmm. as soon as it, you know, in frozen, it's like, do you want to make a snowman? And that's yeah. another thing. It's, I feel like people rarely want to do it. Kids, I mean, some of them probably mm-hmm. have to, but, um, it, when given the choice, people would often rather do it with other people. It's true. And the other thing I was just um, observing about it with regards to my own snowman building history, the storied history of my snowman army, is that <laughs> the actual finished product is always kind of secondary, a distant second. Mm-hmm. It's the making of it. It's the, the joy. Yes. And even the, the hope of it, like even the image of it, when you wake up, you're like, mm. I'm going to make a snowman. And that is even... In some sense, is better than the actual making of it, but both of those are significantly better than just the the looking at it after. Yeah, like, for sure. Well, we made this. Now it's what? I let's make another one. Yeah, yeah, they're all exactly go. the same. Can't find any rocks. That kind mm-hmm. of you know, like I can't finish it.
0: How many carrots? You have to use a potato for the nose, <laughs> but it's like it's fine. It's an experience. Yeah. Have to use I a think that's really getting to it. Yeah, the snowman. answer, I know, because it's like there's the joy seeking, the thrill seeking. That's so much different than building a snowman. That's more about the creation, as you say, the process, the process, yeah, the relations, mm-hmm. and the the dream. Yeah. Whereas the other thing, it's like, it's about the dream, but then it's just kind of a hedonic treadmill. Whereas with this, it's yes. like when you build a snowman, you say you build another one, but you're like you're happy. You're like that was a lovely experience. We're gonna go drink hot chocolate, mm-hmm. warm up, go about my day.
1: I was, uh so because of this, I wanted to find some research into why we make snowmen, because that really is interesting to me. Um, we make sand castles, snowmen, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like we make our houses and ourselves. Yeah. I just, I just, <laughs> I think there's something philosophical in there that I'm not, like, haven't applied myself too fully and probably just not smart enough to to properly wrap my head around the fact mm. that this stuff comes from the ground. It's a pure blanket. It's, you know, it's, it covers what is so often quite ugly by the end of fall Mm -hmm. like the ground is not looking nice and it's very kind of dappled green brown black grays and the white just makes everything just untouched Mm -hmm. and then we get in there and the first thing we do is form ourselves in it there's something there's something to that anyway so i was looking at the history of it and um what i found was no distinct origin but this funny mention in like a 13th century dutch uh (laughs) dutch book of this really sad looking snowman reminded me a little bit of Olaf from mm. Frozen because he's he's depicted right beside a fire mm. and also in the in the text is some reference to the crucifixion of Christ yeah, so i was like maybe in some way we are reenacting our religious mm. um, epics in in the snow from a yeah, young age it will and, melt yeah that. i'm not sure and the melting that's something interesting isn't yeah. it cuz it's always were you actually sad when your snowman melted no really
0: not really i remember one winter we tried to build the epic snowman, like the ten foot tall, we were getting, you know, getting the parents involved and okay. hoisting the balls on yes. top of each other. Um, that one, when it kind of was blown down by the wind, I remember being sad about.
1: Hmm. But for the most part, yeah, it's not that tragic, is it? No. And I think that maybe it maybe it also it's this idea of like the death cycle the death, from young age. Immediately, you're, you're becoming attuned to it. I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm looking too much into this, but there's something to that. DW Snowball. Yes. There's an episode of Arthur, one of the most iconic, I might, I might say, For sure. where D.W. Um, tries to freeze a snowball all year, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's unnatural, D.W. Dora, just let it melt. Yeah. A new one will come every year. Um, but something about something about how we, I was kind of tongue in cheek about the religious thing, but like we're learning about ourselves mm-hmm. through nature, through the world as it literally falls down from the sky. From a young age, we're modeling something recognizable out of that. Mm-hmm. And somehow um, connecting our identity to that of the of the earth. Yeah. I don't know if this sounds preposterous or obvious, one of those two things.
0: Yeah. Like it's I might be trying to
1: to make it sound too profound.
0: Yeah. But I that's think it's how nice. I feel about it. Why not get profound about the snow? Snow is a profound experience. Yeah.
1: So my kind of roundabout answer to the question of like the, the point of humans um, through the snowman metaphor is that I think the point of the species is is answerable in the question of the individual like what i was saying about the earlier Mm -hmm. you said it was you think it's distinct i think it's i think the question about the species is mainly just an amalgam of Mm. the question that everybody asks themselves and how to align our lives and so it's like the point of the species is kind of for each person to figure out the point of themselves that's kind of what i was getting at i like that which is not really an answer at all but
0: no but that makes a lot of sense to find their own religion find their own purpose find their own path and if we're trying to make everyone the exact same yeah then that's a failure on our part as a society
1: but why do you think we make snowmen is it about building is it about beautifying is it about vanity is it about looking for a friend bubble buddy
0: I think it's just about adding something to the list of things to do. Like a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about we walk, we eat, we commune. I feel like build a snowman. Like It's like a, a thing build on the something. to-do list. Yeah. Build something. Do something with the snow.
1: I was toying with what my answer to this question just being the point of the humans is just to do without mm. doing harm. Yeah. It's like how much can you do without doing harm? Yeah. I think from an environmental point of view, you can maybe talk about the species like that.
0: Mm. I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Because the thing with snowmen, what I was thinking about it and sand also, there it's such a like it's it's so kind of immaterial. Yeah. It's like you look at snow; it's kind of infinite when you look out at a field. Mm-hmm. So you don't really mind about using however much snow. That's a really good And also, good it, point, it just actually. it just always comes back. Yeah. And whatever you do with it, it will just melt and it will be fine. And the same with yeah. sand; the wave will just come in and it will be fine.
0: Renewable art supplies.
1: Yeah. yeah exactly.
0: Wonderful.
1: Yeah. It's not like you're using plastic or something. You're using something that's just going to melt.
0: Yeah, you're not even using paper and pencil. Like, yeah, this is really cool.
1: There's also this thing about in Florence, like Michelangelo was tasked with making this big. There's a lot of snowman war. you should look really? into it. Really, I would it's like quite an to know it.
0: This is this is not something I thought about. I guess I just thought, I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. No one
1: thinks about it. It's just like, well, there's snowmen. Yeah. It's like, well, where did that come from?
0: There's snow angels. We just lay down and.
1: Yeah, I didn't even Wings. think about that.
0: Yeah, it was getting a lot. really
1: biblical with this. Mm-hmm. But there was also this story about this one town. I want to say it was in Belgium, where it was like they made hundreds of snowmen as like a, a political um, protest or something in the 1500s. I don't mm-hmm. know. Look into it. Snowmen, snowmen world.
0: Okay, sounds good. And something else we wanted to talk about this week is waste, as we were kind of alluding to with the snowmen the most infinite of art supplies again this is a question of why are we talking about waste in the nature semester and i think it came again out of a question of like when you're camping what do you do with your waste all of this stuff and i think we'll definitely have like an infrastructure series where we talk a bit more about waste a bit more about roads and these things sure but i wanted to talk about waste in the nature semester mainly in the context of plastic which is the polar opposite of nature and do you think yes
1: even though it comes from nature did you know Mm -hmm. that did you know the plastic comes from nature i wouldn't say it's naturally occurring but yeah
0: (laughs) i i'm saying it is it's the it's the complete opposite of nature is plastic because it has so many negative impacts it is almost like we recycle it but not really
1: yeah we don't really recycle it no i think That's one thing that I learned about this week. Also, I was shamefully ignorant about recycling in general, let me put it like that, Mm -hmm. before this week researching. And I have to say, it wasn't entirely through lack of trying, because I have tried to wrap my head around recycling before, but I feel like in some cases it is deliberately obtuse.
0: um, 100%. I was doing, trying to find, like, breakdowns of, like, how it works for each material. It doesn't really, it's just like, well, they take it, they sort it, they wash it. It's like, but... But how is it, like, transformed into yeah. something new? Well, with, some,
1: with like, metal, yeah. that's very obvious. They
0: melt it, they reshape it.
1: With, um, with compost, that's mm-hmm. very obvious as well. Yeah. Compost piles in the solar scene, that's a form mm-hmm. of recycling. Yeah. How, how common?
0: I think there'd be community compost piles. Mm, yeah. I think waste management in the Solocene will be a lot of reduce, reuse, recycle kind of situation. But compost, like, will always have food waste um but yeah community compost piles so like you know where it is it's then used just for the local farming initiatives and so on and then there just won't be garbage piles like everything that's produced in the solicine will either be recyclable or reusable but it's like even if you're making like metal containers to buy your food in and so on like there will come a point where it's just needs to be made into something else yes but everything will be circular two things yeah what else
1: One of my high school teachers had the largest um, individual compost pile in the province. Really? Yeah, in Canada or in in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. And also, I was thinking about in our apartment building that we used to live in, which probably had like a 100 or 200 um, different suites in it, maybe. Yeah. The waste was all just one thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Because it even had a chute. They even had garbage chutes. Mm -hmm. You could just throw down your compost chutes or something like that. Like. Yeah. And for, for that to be in a city so kind of big and developed as Montreal, I was like, this is
0: mm-hmm. this
1: is damning because food is so easy to recycle. Like I, I understand know. it with plastic and even paper, but food it's just so simple.
0: Recycling, we rely on it way too much, and it causes us to consume unconsciously because yeah. it's like, well, it just can be recycled. Like almost everything that we have here that we throw in the garbage is like it goes in the recycling. There's very little that goes in the actual like to go to a landfill bin. And I think because of that, we don't think about it because like it's just all paper. And it's true, like it can all be recycled, but it's it's not helping the cause, I don't think.
1: Which do you think is, well, because a lot of it just gets thrown out anyway, but mm-hmm. that's another um, conversation, but which do you think is the most important of the reduce, reuse, recycle mantra that you mentioned? Reduce. Reduce is like <laughs> up here. Yeah. And reuse is like down here and recycles a little bit lower than that. Reduce yeah. is just, it's just so much <laughs> more important than the other two. That is something I don't think is drilled into our heads in school when we're being taught about mm-hmm. how actually you can stitch your Kool-Aid bags into one big purse yeah. or into a jacket. It's like no one's going to do this. How about we just stop mm-hmm. drinking Kool-Aid?
0: Yeah, exactly. Literally and,
1: and figuratively. Mm-hmm. How about we stop drinking the Kool-Aid? Yeah. Um, so I
0: think reduce, number one. Yeah, just by such a long shot. And the reusing, like, yeah, you can reuse your plastic bag for a bunch of different reasons, but it will eventually break down. In the process, you're going to end up with a bunch of microplastics in your yeah. bloodstream and your water, and then at the end, it's going to just be in the landfill. Like, it's just kind of postponing it. And because if you have this mindset of, like, oh, well, I can reuse all these plastic bags like if from the grocery store, you're never going to refuse. Like, that's another one. That they've that There's, refuse. like, seven R's. I like that one. It's, like, reduce, refuse. There's like seven, but I don't know them. Return? Return, maybe.
1: Maybe we should come up with a mantra next week.
0: Mm -hmm. For the Solocene. Yeah. The waste management mantra of the Solocene. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. I think it might just be reduce, reduce, reduce. But Yeah. (laughs) In any case, maybe we can think about that. Mm -hmm. But it's just like there's so much arguing about the the merits and demerits of all the different materials. Mm -hmm. It's like plastic, but what about this new biodegradable component? It's like, why don't we just stop wrapping bananas individually? Yeah. They already come wrapped. In yeah. that yellow thing. Mm-hmm. So I think whether it be cotton for clothes, whether it be uh, plastic, whether it be glass, paper, wood, whatever, we should just...
0: Reduce, reduce, reduce. Yeah, reduce. yeah, I learned about this concept. This is for the ecotourism question, but I'll talk about it now. It's called disaster capitalism, which is when industries are built off of issues made by the system kind of thing. Yeah. And as we've said before, we're not like anti-capitalism, but I think it's kind of in this weird...
1: Disaster capitalism mutant. is pure late-stage capitalism by the sounds yeah, of it. so like, exactly. So like plastic straws mm-hmm. is a prime example of disaster capitalism because mm-hmm. like, we shouldn't be having these cups from fast food places that we need to... D- mm-hmm. It's like, why do we need straws anyway? You're an adult.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, well, we're actually going to make an industry of where we make reusable banana holders. It's like, yeah. we just don't need them.
1: Or paper straws. Like, why do we need them yeah. at all
0: even like the cotton bags industry it's like that's worse for the environment than the plastic bags were because we don't use them we just lose them or they end up Ooh. in the garbage or they end up whatever and yeah we just need to rethink how we consume things yeah and it's like i feel like food is so simple because it's we're not that far removed when you just go to the store say i need two kilograms of this mm-hmm. one kilogram of this i'll we'll take five apples and you just put it all in your own sacks or whatever and take yeah. it home like that wasn't that long ago well think about milk yeah think about
1: how the milkman used to come drop the glass milks off mm-hmm. milk pick bottles pick up the empty ones pick up the empty ones rinse them refill them it's like if if a company um proposed that today or a government everyone would be like wow this is the future wow mm-hmm. this is so innovative It's like that's just what it was before yeah. every um profit became slashable because of mm-hmm. i mean you know every cost became slashable because of Plastic is so much cheaper.
0: Exactly. When I was watching a bunch of videos on recycling, trying to get to the bottom of it, it kept using these examples of companies. Like one of them was a soap company. who uses 100% post-consumer plastic. And it was like, they create 50,000 bottles of soap every year all using recycled plastic. And I'm like, well, but but why do we need these bottles in the first place? Like the cool thing would be you make it, you put it into these glass crafts or these... Like tin crafts that can be sanitized. And, like, yeah. I also think because things are so big, the sanitation standards have to be so high. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think that's good. Like, it's good for public health. But it's just like if things were smaller scale, you wouldn't need as many preservatives. You wouldn't need all the packaging and everything. Because it's just like you would know, okay, the soap's coming from three towns over. Like yeah. it doesn't need to be in packaging because it's only going to be in transit for two days before yeah. it gets to my home. Well, I just
1: think about how how like 50% of things that are sold just don't need to exist, mm-hmm. period. Um, like I was reading about how bacteria is evolving because of how much antibacterial stuff we've been using.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like that's that doesn't sound great, but I don't want to sound too like, conspiratorial mm-hmm. on this episode. But another thing, so let's talk about plastic. It's like you were talking about the, the local food. Something like bacon from a supermarket can survive... For like a month because it's so wrapped in the plastic mm-hmm. if it wasn't in there it would it would not last as long and that's the mm-hmm. case for many foods so this is why plastic is adopted so widely across the world
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like we can talk about how in montreal it would be nice if we could just go to the local tear shop bring our own tupperware get the bacon from there and there'd be no plastic involved but i was looking at like ocean plastic and the five biggest countries in terms of like sheer amount, not even per capita, but just like amount, higher than the U.S. or anything like that, um, are the Philippines, India, Malaysia, China, and Indonesia. Those are like the top five biggest plastic polluters in the ocean, and a large part of that is because of food. Mm-hmm. So like that's how they get the food: single plastic, single-use plastic. Mm-hmm. So it, I think this is kind of an example of when people talk about how increasing economic affluence, you know, is is one of the ways to fast-track environmental effluence in a way
0: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure because it's like we can't afford food that isn't wrapped in plastic because it'd be randomly eight dollars for an apple (laughs) that's what i was getting at with this soap company is because it was talking about how it's like kind of a fancy soap company so it probably costs like ten dollars a bottle and therefore even with this post-consumer plastic the average person will still buy the one dollar virgin plastic bottle because it's yeah affordable and so yeah definitely like Inequality is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. But just like it needs to be top down. Otherwise, it's going to just, I don't think it's going to get better if it's not top down or like top down or grassroots. But if it's this kind of weird, like, well, there's these companies popping up, these mid range companies who are sustainable, they're always going to be cutting corners. So we shouldn't be allowed to cut corners, basically.
1: Also, everyone's favorite topic the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Mm. What do you know about that? Not much. Well, I learned. A study mm-hmm. recently found that roughly seventy-five percent of it, seventy-five to eighty-five percent, so our low ball comes from fishing debris. Really? Yeah. Like nets and ropes and stuff.
0: I didn't know this. Yeah. Whoa.
1: So it's like I feel like we not we don't hear much about that.
0: No, we hear about us throwing our bottle caps into the ocean.
1: And also I think like I think that's awful. Like I do mm-hmm. think there's a there's a consumer responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm. But I also
1: think there's so many big industries that aren't um, regulated to the extent that they should be but it, it almost i don't yeah. think it does but i can see why in some people's eyes it makes a mockery of like protests about plastic bags at grocery stores
0: it's true yeah it makes a mockery of i was talking about we need to change our sunscreen because killing coral reefs was like you know what else is killing, <laughs> killing coral reefs
1: oil spill
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly and Dawn dish soap you're not you're not doing enough
1: to but kill, even though they birds. clean the they clean them right they clean the birds <laughs> With the dish soap. That's what I find amazing. The. What?
0: The plastic bottles made out of oil. Mm. Hmm. Have
1: you ever cleaned yourself with the dish soap?
0: My hands, yeah. No, I mean. No.
1: If you were to, which color? (laughs) I'd go for the purple. I always
0: like the purple dish soap. They
1: have flavors, you know. But did you know that?
0: Like taste flavors?
1: Well, they all have names. It'll be like.
0: Yeah, it's like green apple. Right. I always get the lavender because I like how it smells. Is that what the purple is? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so why not use it on ourselves? I just oh, think it's wh- bad for your skin. It okay. strips
0: all the oils. Okay. And also, if you get it in your mouth over too much time, it will. Anyway. Thank you.
1: Um, next question.
0: <laughs> yeah. The next question is, what is ecotourism and how will that mutate in the solo scene?
1: Speaking of mutations, though.
0: Speaking of mutations, well, speaking of plastic. Oh. The organism of the week is the humble... Edionellus saconesis, which is a single-celled organism.
1: Okay, is it one that consumes plastic? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I got it.
0: So it is nicknamed PETAs, P-E-T-A-S, because PET is the polyethanol, like, it's the name for plastic, and so it can digest plastic, turn it into energy for its survival, and then it's into organic compounds, and then often in nearby like plastic recycling facilities is where they originally discovered these. So this guy kind of like captures it and then all the other enzymes and things in the soil will like then use those things that he's captured and they'll turn it into more and more organic and they disperse it. So he can eat it faster than 30 times faster than average. So it's like if you had soil that was really populated with these and you threw a plastic bottle in it, it would degrade 30 times faster than if you threw it into non pedase soil. It's gram negative, aerobic. Rod-shaped and motile, so it has a single flagellum. Um, I just did a quick little single-celled organism.
1: Let me describe it. It looks vaguely... Okay, so it kind of looks like there's some food on an oblong plate with a tail that makes mm. it look, I suppose, vaguely spermatozoic.
0: Yeah, well, similar. <laughs> I mean, it's just a single cell, so it has yeah. the nucleus, it has the mitochondria, yeah. all that jazz.
1: Oh, we don't need you to go through your <laughs> ninth-grade Golgi body uh, explanation. Oh,
0: there's the Golgi's in there. <laughs> <Gojelies>. Um <laughs> So that's the organism of the week. Thank you, Paddays, for sponsoring this video. Ribosomes, ribosomes, yeah.
1: What do you think about like all these? Like this is an example, but when people talk about oh, there's this plastic eating farm, or like there's a mm-hmm. startup that has this new material that is made from. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, I just think that's not great. It's like I like innovation, but I just think it needs to be pulling in the same direction and not trying to make money.
1: I think it should be structural innovation. This is what you were talking about, disaster capitalism. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're going to design this new material. Well, I
0: mean, yeah, like the oil companies, they basically were like, oh, shoot, everyone's switching to electric cars. We need a new industry, vegan plastic. So they just start making, or vegan leather. So they start making vegan leather couches, vegan leather clothes. Is that what happened? Yeah.
1: Oh.
0: Um, GME, I think. So
1: basically just these plastic clothes, Yeah, just plastic plastic things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I had those vegan
1: leather shoes, remember?
0: yeah that is plastic yeah and there like. is like there is vegan leather, but like that's not it might I'm probably speaking as slightly outdated, but as of like six to eight months ago it was still very like if you actually got a genuine vegan leather bag made out of mushrooms, it would be like three hundred dollars like it's not the things you're getting at h and m marketed as vegan leather
1: I feel plastic like you are um annoying the vegans turning off one of our main demographics on this
0: annoying the vegans yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's still better than, like, everyone walking around with shoe um, cow shoes, but it's just, like...
1: With shoe cows? Shoe. That'd be awful. Anyway, ecotourism. Yeah. So, what is ecotourism? What is it?
0: Ecotourism is about uniting conservation, communities, <laughs> and sustainable travel.
1: Yeah, so I basically had this misconception. I thought ecotourism was just nature-based travel.
0: Well, it, it was originally that. It evolved and mutated. And now it's just a greenwashing technique.
1: You're all about mutations today, aren't you? Yeah. Shoe cows. <laughs> Shoes are mutated to move. Yeah. Mutation. Oh. Oh, heavens. But ecotourism, at its purest, at its yeah. finest, at its most solo scene, mm-hmm. is about travel that also incorporates giving back in some way to mm-hmm. the nature that you're going to see. So it's not just about, I'm going to the Great Barrier Reef to take some photos. Yeah. It's about, I'm going to the Great Barrier Reef. I'm going to help try and restore mm-hmm. in some way or conserve what should be so yeah. beautiful and natural.
0: So ecotourism at its most finest, as you say, is slow. It's, okay, I'm going to go visit this country. I've never visited before, but I'm not just visiting for three days to get the experience. I'm going to go for a few months, learn a bit of the language, learn the local culture. It's a bit slower. Okay. And tourism at its core, just as like an industry, has always been defined by the desire to go somewhere and be set apart from other tourists not be a tourist it's like that's just the top thing when it's defining a tourist what do you mean it's like okay i want to go to we just went to italy so it's like what makes you a tourist versus like a someone who's just moved there is that you want to not be a tourist that you want to go and you want to have authentic experiences you want to have fun you want to like just be part of the local culture like you don't want to just be a tourist um which would mean to me like to be a tourist like you don't want to just go and take pictures you don't want to just um you don't want to stand out and like dress different like you want to immerse yourself in the culture um so like ecotourism is genuine is like meeting that need of like choosing to go and immerse yourself in the culture whereas when we go for a week it's like you desire that, but you're not going to have any catharsis and like feel like that desire is from that when you leave. Okay. So then you keep going back and you keep traveling. And it's so kind it's of a, like
1: it's a more comprehensive experience of the place when you travel there. Mm-hmm. But what I was talking about was that at its purest, it involves some form of work.
0: Yes, ecotourism. Form of effort.
1: Mm-hmm. Ecotourism does. Yeah. Whereas most, I'm just going to go see some churches mm-hmm. or some ruins. Don't. You're just on
0: vacation, like you're in vacation mode.
1: Where are some places that you would like to see just for their nature? What's like the top two?
0: Mm. I'd like to see New Zealand, and I'd like to see somewhere really, really cold. So Antarctica or Greenland or something.
1: The top three, quote-unquote, ecotourism destinations. New Zealand, Indonesia, and... Indonesia, really? Yeah. Well, a lot of young people go there, don't they? And they stay in a treehouse hut and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I see.
1: And I'll go, um, I think it's... um, I'll just group it as Central America. Yeah. like Costa Rica and a mm. lot of different places like that.
0: Yeah, kind of rainforesty experiences. Okay.
1: It's a global market mm-hmm. of over $180 billion US every year.
0: Mm. Yeah. And a big issue with ecotourism that I've learned about is that when it kind of picked up, like when the phrase was coined kind of thing, we realized that it's a thing that people wanted. People wanted to go whitewater rafting. They wanted to go hiking in the mountains. Um, Local people started trying to like create these experiences to facilitate. Oh, you can come and stay on a farm. You can come and stay like in these. Treehouses. Treehouses. Yeah. But then they weren't doing super well because they weren't consulting with the tourists. They were just like, Oh, this is an experience that's authentic, that it's like going to help the community grow. It's going to help us. It's going to be nice. And like, Um, Mutual, but then the people who like the early adopters of ecotourism then swooped in. They're like, I'm gonna make these tree houses to stay in, but they're gonna obviously be all English speaking, they're gonna all have like pretty Western food. And then it becomes this becomes very capitalist and not grassroots. It's like the people who are then benefiting are third party, they're not the local people. And with ecotourism in the solar scene. I think it'll be very grassroots, it'll just be like, it'll be very mutual, it won't just be, I'm going to go stay in this resort, and the people who run it are also from the country that I'm from. It's like the people who run it will be the people who live there, I think.
1: Why do you think ecotourism is popular?
0: Well, mainly, I think, there's this thing called extinction tourism, which has always been a thing. Like We go to see museums because these are extinct civilizations. But nowadays it's like I'm pretty sure ninety percent of people probably going to Venice are saying, Well, I just want to see it before it's gone.
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about ecotourism.
0: Yeah, okay, sorry. I think it has a lot to do with like wanting to capture nature before it's gone or go to places because like we live in a city. It's like there's no nature here. I want to go capture an experience of nature.
1: I'd want to be outside in other words.
0: Yes, exactly. That's what I think.
1: And I I'm like I don't think this should be a hundred eighty billion dollar USD. Uh, market per year. I think in the solo yeah. scene, which is what we talk about on the show, show, conversation, podcast, whatever. Um, not everybody will live in like a loud, stink chariot filled, mm-hmm. stinky, gray, geometric city.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it's like, I'm going to go outside. Yeah. I don't have to go to Costa Rica though. I I'm gonna literally go just going to go outside. Yeah. And how I... nice is that? <laughs> like, that's what it is. That's basically exactly. is. We've, outs- we've outsourced it and like, We've paved paradise, so now we have to take a flight mm-hmm. to get there.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's the saying, don't like create a life you don't need a vacation from, but I'm yeah, going yeah, exactly. to extend it to create an environment you don't need a vacation from. No, yeah, exactly. So there's like, you can just go to the environment, like you can just go to nature and not have to like travel to nature. I mean, there's always be... going to
1: be like landmarks. Not yeah, every of place course. has a Great Barrier Reef. But not not every everywhere is mountains like or
0: ocean. New Zealand or whatever. Yeah.
1: So I understand that. Like, I'm going to make a pilgrimage here. I would yeah. love to climb a mountain or I would. I want to hit the Pacific, never been to the Pacific, yeah. never dipped my toe in the Mediterranean, never seen a desert, never seen a tree like this, never seen a koala. It's like, that makes sense. But I think in that so much of it is often just like, wow, it feels nice to be outside. Like we yeah. did that to an extent when we went to, 100%. to, when we went to Europe and we were like walking around kind of rural it, Italy and Tuscany and stuff, we were like, isn't this lovely because of all the green and blue? can it's just be like,
0: outside it a day.
1: Yeah, but it's like, untouched north america mm-hmm. was also very green and blue we just yeah. don't have it anymore
0: yeah 100 percent and
1: not that tuscany is untouched but i just mm-hmm. mean you know
0: yeah it's just different and like yeah we're trying to like charge up our batteries with these little trips but it's like our batteries shouldn't be depleted and these trips should be just a uh, another addition to our well-being like our well-being should be good it shouldn't be reliant on these these other places or but these experiences we did an
1: episode about tourism and we basically said the same thing that yeah in the solar scene more places will have cool architecture
0: cool museums, cool museums
1: whatever so mm-hmm. you won't always have and of course venice will always be venice so like there will still be people going there but it won't be that that's the only place that you can find concentrated beauty in a sense and it's the same way i think mm-hmm. with ecotourism yeah. and almost and also what you said about being outside like that sounds ridiculous but People, when they are traveling on vacation, especially Mm. on some kind of ecotourism or nature-based travel, that's the most they'll be outside for the year or for the decade.
0: Yeah, I also, I listened to this podcast about uh, anthropologists anthropologist and then this guy who's trying to, his podcast is called The End of Tourism, so like you can check it out if you want. But this episode, he was talking about how people like people like us like environmentalists and activists of all kinds like well i want to go see the great Barrier reef to be inspired and it's like your flight there is yeah gonna have a there, net negative course. like it's yep. just gonna be a net negative so like if you ever have these pilgrimages like if you really want to like make it as sustainable as possible in your transportation and i think just like <laughs> check yourself kind of thing like i tried to do this before i make any decision to travel because it's like, why am I going? Am I going just to see something that I could basically like, what will this do for me? And what will this do for like my life kind of thing. And I think it's very common in this, like 1% of people who have the ability to travel extensively. It's like, they just kind of do it for the sake of it. And they don't think it through very much. And they go three times a year to different places. And yeah, it's just having a net negative on the environment.
1: You know what I think we should talk about next week? Have we talked about pets a little bit on this nature, semester? I feel like we touched on it, but I think yeah, we should I went do in my
0: dog rant, but...
1: Dog rant, yeah, yeah, but we should do, like, a bigger episode on pets.
0: Yeah, the pet episode.
1: Pet worms, having that one kid who has, like, a worm...
0: Mm-hmm. What's it called? An ant farm, is that what you're thinking of?
1: Yes, exactly that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think you're forming one, because so you keep saying, Alicia, an ant. And I never see these ants, but I think you're collecting them, and you yeah, have a little ant farm. Yeah, in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, pets, it's a really good idea. Yeah pets and nature and pets and bringing nature inside Could we also talk about houseplants
1: yeah houseplants are just very lazy pets yes so let's talk about that next week i love it thanks for listening everybody hope you have a great week if you liked the episode please give a review or whatever i don't subscription something like that
0: yeah share it with people
1: bye